This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Roast and Reason podcast. In this episode, I'm going to invite you guys into my kitchen, or specifically the half of my kitchen that has transformed into my coffee lab. Literally, I'm not joking. About half of the area of my kitchen is now taken up by just coffee-related stuff. Uh, So welcome to my kitchen or to my coffee lab. And today we're going to get really practical. So today we're going to be talking about what supplies you need to make good coffee at home. And so I'm not talking about home roasting in this episode. We're not going to discuss the basics of coffee brewing, like what happens when you brew coffee, or even how to brew coffee in certain ways. I'm going to focus future episodes on the podcast related to those topics, but today instead we're going to focus on the supplies that you need and the items that you need to brew better and good coffee at home. Because I want you guys to love your coffee as much as as I do. Uh, And it doesn't make any sense to make suboptimal coffee. So we're going to talk about how to make really good coffee at home. So I will tell you what I personally use in this episode and what I endorse. And we're going to start with the basics. And we're going to cover fairly basic items in this episode. So my goal and my real focus here is to take the novice coffee lover and help them make better coffee. So if you're somebody that makes coffee with an old school electric coffee maker, or maybe even a Keurig or something like that, or has just started dabbling into pour over coffee or French press coffee, maybe debating, do I need my own coffee grinder or not? Or maybe you've already bought one. So you're my real focus on this episode. With that said, I hope a lot of this is also a valuable review or reminder for the full-blown coffee snobs out there. And hopefully everybody can get something out of this, out of this episode. Here's, here's a warning right up front. In this episode, I'm going to mention specific names of coffee roasters or coffee supplies or devices that I use or recommend using to make good coffee at home. You, first of all, you don't have to use what I use. You don't have to like what I like. We can, we can always agree to disagree, but I will tell you what I use. Second of all, I'm going to list all of these things. Everything I mention, I'm going to list on roastandreason.com under the page for this podcast episode. So please do not feel like you've got to stop this episode and write down notes. It's literally going to all be there for you on roastandreason.com. It's going to be under the show notes. So each of the podcast episodes has their own page on the website. Just click the link for this episode, which happens to be our 20th podcast episode, kind of a milestone there. Uh, So just click on the link for that. And all of this stuff is going to be listed there. And I'm going to link to all of these. So you'll be able to click directly on 
the link and it'll send you to where, where you need to go. So with all of that said, let's get started on the path to good coffee at home. And the first item that we're going to talk about is kind of obvious. Uh, making good coffee at home starts with good coffee? Yeah, let's start with coffee. So the question becomes, what makes coffee good? And this is a really tough question to answer well, especially if you're just getting started and getting your feet wet with the world of specialty coffee. Let's start with what is not good coffee. Two big names, Folgers and Maxwell House. Those are not good coffee. Instant coffee is not good coffee. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're drinking these kinds of coffee, come here, let me take you by the hand and lead you towards the light because you're living in a really, really dark world of coffee. So there's a lot better coffee out there other than that. But defining not good coffee or bad coffee is a little easier than defining what good coffee is. So let's start with a few basics. Okay, so a first rule that you can apply is only buy whole bean coffee. So do not buy pre-ground coffee. This is one of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to buying coffee. And why is it important to only buy whole bean coffee? Well, despite what a company like Folgers might tell you or a company that makes instant coffee might tell you, coffee is actually a perishable food item. It gets stale. So coffee is a fruit, or, or more specifically, coffee is the seed from a fruit tree. So like anything else that grows on a tree or that's a food item, freshness matters. And if you don't believe me or you're having a hard time wrapping your head around this concept, let's, let's, t- let's expand on this. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Yes, you can buy a bag of coffee or a can of coffee that's been sitting on the grocery store shelf for God knows how long, and you can store it in your cupboard or in your zombie apocalypse shelter, and, and it'll probably store for a while, it, meaning you can drink it a year or two down the, down the road, and it probably won't kill you, but this isn't good coffee. You know, and speaking of zombies, it's kind of zombie coffee. We're talking about good coffee in, these, in this episode. And so comparing this type of coffee to good coffee that we're going to talk about in this episode is kind of like comparing spam to a fresh pork chop or fresh good local bacon. Same basic ingredient, but it is not the same food product. Please don't argue that spam and fresh uncured bacon are the same thing because they're not. So freshness matters and good fresh coffee gets stale and it's a a perishable food item just like that fresh pork chop. So as coffee ages, it starts to lose the compounds, the chemical compounds within it that give it its great flavor and smell. And exposure to the elements actually speeds this process up. So there are a few things that we can do to make sure that we're drinking good and fresh coffee. And the first thing is to buy whole bean coffee. So whole bean coffee gets stale, but ground coffee gets stale much faster. And the reason why is the surface area. So the surface area of a coffee bean 
compared to the total mass of the coffee in that bean is much lower than the surface area of ground coffee. Just think about it. Ground coffee is basically completely exposed to air. So it's going to get stale much, much faster. In fact, ground coffee actually starts to lose its aromatic compounds, so the compounds that give coffee the flavor and the smell that we want, within minutes after being ground. Minutes. And how long has that pre-ground coffee been sitting on the grocery store shelf? Way longer than minutes, right? So step number one is do yourself a favor and only buy whole bean coffee. My second take-home basic about good coffee also relates to freshness. And that is I prefer to only buy coffee that has a roast date on the bag. Now, this is sometimes difficult to do if you're buying coffee at a grocery store rather than a specialty coffee shop. And this is a rule that I sometimes break depending on on what kind of coffee I'm looking for. But if you can find a roast date on the bag, and I'm not talking about a best buy date, right? A best buy date is like an expiration date. And by law, best buy dates on coffee can be up to two years after a coffee was roasted. Again, this coffee is probably safe to drink. It won't kill you. So in that sense, it is different than a pork chop because a two-year-old pork chop probably will kill you. And I can't believe I just used the words two-year-old and pork chop in the, in the same sentence. That's pretty, pretty nasty. But so a, a two-year-old pork chop will kill you. Two-year-old coffee probably won't kill you, but it's not good coffee. It's not going to taste good. If you taste, if you taste two-year co- two-year-old coffee next to two-day-old coffee, you're going to get a dramatically different experience drinking those two coffees. So coffee starts to get stale within a week or two after it has been roasted. So we're talking weeks, not months or years. So if you can find a coffee with a roast date on a bag, I prefer to buy it within the first two weeks after it was roasted. Sometimes I'll extend that to four weeks, but really first two weeks after it was roasted is going to be in the prime. And if you can get it within a day or two after roasting, you're you're golden. So now that we have freshness out out of the way, and again, related to freshness, you want to buy only whole coffee beans, not pre-ground. And ideally, you want to find a bag of coffee with a roast date on the bag, and you want to buy it within the first week or two after it was roasted. So those are our keys to freshness or buying fresh coffee. So now that we have freshness out of the way, what else makes good coffee? I'm a really strong believer in you should drink what you like. And you, just like you should eat the type of food that you like, right? So to each their own. Some people prefer a darker roast coffee. They like that darker, chocolatey, thicker body that a, that a darker roast coffee will give you. And if you're in that group, go for it. Many coffee snobs in, in the specialty coffee world gravitate towards lighter roasts. And why is that? Well, because... At lighter roasts, you get more of a flavor that the bean itself imparts on the coffee. So you're tasting more of of what wine people would call the terroir. You're tasting more of the flavor notes of that specific coffee or how it was processed. The darker you roast coffee, you're just tasting more of the burnt, caramelized, chocolatey, 
you're, you're tasting the roast itself, not the coffee. But again, to each their own. If Some people like rare steak. Some people like well-done steak. Some people like light roast coffee. Some people like dark roast coffee. The only way you're going to find out, the only way you're going to discover for yourself what you like is just by trying it. Go out there and try it. So it's really a personal preference. And it's not just light versus dark roast either. You need to try as many different coffees as, as you can, as you can come across. Because different coffees taste different. So, for example, a classic Central American coffee tends to be sweet and subtle and just a very pleasant drinking coffee. But sometimes they're not all that unique or all that memorable. Maybe you prefer a natural processed Ethiopia that tastes like blueberries or raspberries. Or maybe you prefer that very tart, acidic flavor that you get frequently with Kenyan coffees, especially at light roasts. The only way you're going to know is by trying. So get out there and try. Get out there and try better and different coffees. It's In some ways, coffee is a lot like wine or craft beer. There are just so many different types and different flavors out there. The cool thing is it's, it's really never been easier to try different and amazing coffees. I would suggest that you start with your local coffee shop or coffee roaster. I'm all about shopping and supporting the local economy and local, local business. And honestly, over the past five, 10 years, there's just been an explosion of small specialty coffee roasters throughout the country that are, that are producing really, really good coffee and a really unique, interesting products. So start with your local guys. And then there are many great coffee roasters throughout the country. And with the internet, most of them will ship nationwide. And most of them tailor their roasting so that they roast the coffee just a few days before they ship it to you. So you can get fresh coffee from across the country. And there are way too many great coffee roasters out there to list them all. But I'm going to give you a few of my favorites that I'm really, really loving right now. And we'll start with number one. I think I've mentioned these guys previously on the podcast, and that is Heart Coffee. So their website is heartroasters.com. These guys are out of Portland. Uh, They do a fantastic job. You can literally not go wrong with anything these guys roast. They source some really interesting, unique coffees. They do a great job roasting them. So recommendation number one would be Heart Coffee. Number two is a company called Airship Coffee. So their website is airshipcoffee.com. And these guys are a new one to me. I had actually not heard of them or tried their coffee before I met them at the uh, Specialty Coffee Association Coffee Expo in Seattle. They are out of Bentonville, Arkansas, and their coffee is amazing. Um, I really, really recommend these guys. They source coffee from around the world, but some of their coffees that I tried that I really liked were from uh, Burundi, the African country of Burundi. My third recommendation is a roaster out of San Antonio that is called What's Brewing Coffee Roasters, and their website is sacoffeeroasters.com. They do a fantastic job. Their coffee is delicious. It's pretty reasonably priced, compared to some other specialty coffee roasters. 
and they roast a variety of coffee. They, they typically have a pretty big selection to choose from. And my fourth recommendation is a company that I've mentioned on the podcast before, and that is Angel's Cup. So the website is angelscup.com. It's a coffee delivery service. So they send you small sample sizes of different coffees, normally four per shipment. It's a fantastic way to try many different coffees, to expand your palate, and to literally try coffees from different roasters throughout the country. Uh, and, And you're not obligated to buy a whole bag. So you can have a small sample size to figure out what you like and what you don't like. Um, I've been a very happy customer for a while now, and it's really helped me define what kind of coffee I like. And if you haven't already checked out episode 14 of the podcast, I interview Jeff, their CEO, um, really interesting company, uh, great guy, interesting interview. I, I recommend checking that episode out if you haven't already. So now that you've got your good coffee, so that's step number one to brewing good coffee at home is get good coffee. What do you do with it? What else do you need to make good coffee at home? The first thing that we're going to talk about is we talked about two ways to make sure that you're buying fresh coffee. And that, again, was buy only whole bean coffee and preferably buy coffee that has a roast date on it so you know when it was roasted and buy within that first one to two weeks after it was roasted. So now that you've got fresh coffee, you've got to keep it fresh. Because odds are you're not going to drink the whole bag in a day. Maybe you are. Maybe it's one of those days or one of those weeks. But odds are, most of the time, you're not going to drink it all at once. And some coffee roasters do a really, really great job selling their coffee in a resealable airtight bag. But most do not. So I don't routinely keep my coffee in the bag that I bought it in once I get it home. You're going to need some sort of airtight storage to keep the coffee as fresh as possible. And what you want to do is you want to block out sunlight or UV light. You want it to be airtight. You want it to block out moisture. Those are the things that really degrade or make coffee go stale faster. There are a lot of container options out there that could meet these criteria. The one that I have used for several months now and really like is called Airscape Coffee Canister. I will link to this in the show notes. It's a BPA-free stainless steel canister. And instead of trapping air in, it actually, when you push the lid down, it actually forces the excess air out of the canister. It, it seems to work really, really well for me, and I, and I highly recommend it. So now that we've got the canister... The second thing I'm going to mention is a kitchen scale. Why? So kitchen scales come in handy because it's a lot more sensitive to weigh out or to measure coffee based on weight than on volume. Yes, you can measure your coffee in terms of tablespoons or cups or something like that, but I much prefer weight. And the reason why is different coffee can vary really significantly in terms of the size, the density, the volume. So weight doesn't lie, volume sometimes does. I'd advise you to get yourself a cheap kitchen scale and weigh your coffee as you make it. It's going to allow you to figure out your coffee to water or water to coffee, however you want to say it, ratio, 
And so it's going to let you brew coffee in a much more reliable and reproducible way. Now, you'll come across some, some kitchen scales that are pretty pricey and really sensitive. You don't need it to be really sensitive here unless you're a professional barista. So don't spend a lot of money on one of these. I think I, I, think I spent 10 or $15 on mine. Okay, so it doesn't have to be really, really fancy. It just needs to weigh your coffee for you. On to the next piece of equipment, a coffee grinder. So I mentioned how important it is to buy only whole bean coffee and grind it yourself at home right before you brew it. It's really the only way to get the best, freshest coffee. To me, the coffee grinder has a special place in the coffee snob world. To me, it's kind of like the ski boot of the coffee hobby. And and what in the hell do I mean about this? So I'm a skier and there's a lot of equipment in skiing and a lot of it's pretty expensive. So you have your skis, your bindings, your poles, your long underwear, your ski pants, your jacket, and you've got your ski boots. And a lot of people focus on having the best and newest equipment across the board especially skis. So they think that the ski is, is the, the big thing, the secret to them being a better skier. But one thing that basically anybody that has been skiing for a long period of time will tell you is that it all starts with the boots. If you don't have good boots, you're screwed. doesn't matter what skis you have on. If you don't have good boots and your feet aren't happy and you can't control your skis, you're screwed. So I view the coffee grinder kind of the same way. If you don't have a good coffee grinder, I don't care what kind of coffee maker you have. I don't care what kind of coffee you just bought. If your coffee grinder sucks, you're not going to make the best coffee you can possibly make. So if I had to pick a single item to purchase and upgrade to make better coffee at home, I, I would say start with a good coffee grinder. It was the first thing that I, I upgraded when I, um, got more into the industry and, and you won't regret it. Coffee grinders come in two basic categories. There are blade grinders and burr grinders. And let's talk about these two categories pretty briefly. Blade grinders are the cheapest and most widely available. Odds are you're going to find these in grocery stores uh, or places like Walmart or just small convenience stores even. Blade grinders have one or two blades. And they're kind of like old school spice mills. The blades spin around and around and around and they chop up or cut the coffee beans. Don't buy one of these. Trust me on this. If you, if you really want to make better coffee at home, and I would guess that you do since you're listening to this, don't buy a blade grinder even though odds are it's probably the first one that you're going to come across. And the reason why is the major limitation of blade grinders you get a very, very inconsistent coffee grind size because as it chops the coffee up, it makes some really big pieces and it gives you some very fine, small particles. And that totally messes up your coffee brewing process. What it does is it, it affects what's called extraction. And extraction is basically the key to coffee brewing. Really for the best extraction and the best coffee brewing, you want the most uniform coffee grind size and appearance as you can get. So you want the other type of grinder, which is a burr grinder. 
This type of coffee grinder has small burrs inside of it. It can either be, they can be metal or they can be ceramic. And these burrs spin around and they crush the coffee into nice consistent particles between the two burrs. And then they fall to the bottom of the grinder. And the cool thing is you can adjust the grind size with these burr grinders. That way you can get a finer grind for something like an espresso or an AeroPress or a larger grind size for something like a French press. And yes, different coffee brewing techniques are better with different types of coffee grind and different sizes of coffee grounds. And we'll go into that in a future episode. So this is the kind of grinder that you want. And burr grinders come in two major categories. They can be electric or they can be manual or hand grinders. I prefer an electric grinder for my daily use because I frankly just don't want to crank on a hand grinder every morning when I get up. Hand grinders can be handy, thanks for the pun, um, when it comes to travel. Uh, And if you want to take on the full-blown coffee snob label and travel with your own coffee, and do not laugh at me, I actually do this, then a hand grinder can actually be um, useful because it's, it's much easier to travel with. I have tried several different coffee grinders in the past year or two. Some are really loud. They sound like a helicopter taking off. Some produce a very inconsistent grind size, even though they are, are a burr grinder. And I've, I've actually had one that I, I won't name that literally spit out maybe half of the coffee grounds all over my damn countertop. It just made a mess. Every time I tried to use it, I don't use it anymore. I've settled on one that I really like, and that's the Barazza Virtuoso. I will link to it in the show notes. There's another great option that Barazza makes called the Encore. Very similar, a few less bells and whistles, but it will also cost you about $100 cheaper than the Virtuoso. So both of those, the Virtuoso and the Encore by Barazza, are great options, and I would recommend either one of them. I will also link to a very good hand grinder. Not only are they smaller and easier to travel with, they tend to be a bit less expensive than the electric burr, electric burr grinders. But again, back to my ski boot analogy, I really think you get the most bang for your buck with coffee grinders than anything else in the coffee world. So I'd rather spend the money to get the grinder that you want. Um, and then you can kind of skimp on a brewing system like a French press or pour over system that won't cost you all that much money. And speaking of brewing systems, let's, let's discuss the options and, and what I personally use. Because you can't just grind the coffee, right? You actually need to have some sort of way of putting hot water into it and making coffee. So let's talk brewing systems. The average American makes their home coffee in one of two ways. A traditional coffee maker, think of like the historical Mr. Coffee machines that were certainly in my household growing up and probably in most of your your homes growing up, or the more modern single-serve pod coffee machines. Think of like a Keurig. It's the classic example here. So if this is where you're at right now, and as you're listening to this podcast, then awesome. You know, you're at a, a starting place. And there's, there's something better out there. And if you put into practice what we're talking about in this episode, 
I really think you're going to like your coffee better. So I'm not knocking either of those, but let's talk about those. And let's get the Keurig-type single-serve pod coffee out of the way. These things are super convenient. They're great for an office setting. But this podcast is about specialty coffee and making good coffee at home. Stress the word good. Keurig machines are neither good coffee nor are they specialty coffee. This coffee is not fresh. It's sitting in a plastic pod. The water in this brewing machine does not get hot enough during the brewing process. So in short, there's a whole lot of of things wrong with Keurigs. Uh, Again, really convenient, great for an office setting. If you're looking to make really good coffee at home, this is not the brewer for you. And what about electric coffee makers? Is, Is the same true here? Well, the majority of these just suck. The majority of these are not good coffee machines. And the most common issue is they don't get the water hot enough. They have incorrect brewing times or they don't soak the coffee grounds uniformly. So basically all the water goes right through the middle and the the grounds on the outside aren't wet at all. So you're really not brewing all of the coffee grounds. So all of these variables affect something that I mentioned before, and that's called extraction. And basically think of extraction as the process where all of those lovely, delicious chemicals and compounds in the coffee grounds that we want are transferred from the grounds to the water and thus making coffee. So I I kind of think of extraction as the actual process of coffee brewing. And extraction is a bit like Goldilocks. Just right and bam, you have delicious, amazing coffee. Too much and you get disgusting, bitter, dry, what's called over-extracted coffee. Too little or under-extraction and you get another yuck. Salty, sour coffee that basically doesn't have that really amazing aftertaste that leaves you wanting more. With that said, there are several exceptions. There are some electric coffee machines that are pretty darn good. And the Specialty Coffee Association tests electric coffee machines. And if they meet really strict requirements, basically they need to hot they need to heat the water to a sufficient temperature. The brew time has to be calibrated and correct. And they have to brew within the Specialty Coffee Association's Golden Cup recommendations. So this big, long series of recommendations of how to brew coffee. It's actually really hard to get an electric coffee maker to pass this. But if if they do, the SCA, the Specialty Coffee Association, certifies them. These are truly the cream of the crop in terms of electric coffee machines. At the time of recording this episode, there are currently 13 SEA-certified home coffee brewers. I will link to their website, the SEA's website, and this list of certified coffee machines in the show notes. These machines range from somewhat reasonably priced and somewhat being relative to downright freaking expensive. Um, And I want to be totally straightforward here. I have personally not used any of them. 
So I can't really recommend one over another. Uh, I will tell you that based on these requirements, based on what they need to, the testing that they need to pass in order to get SCA certified, odds are these are pretty good machines, but I, I personally haven't used any, so I can't recommend them to you guys, or I can't endorse any of them personally. With that said, if you are looking for convenience, if you don't have the time in the morning to do a more time-intensive brewing technique that I'm going to get into in a second here, one of these electric coffee machines may be for you. You're going to pay more money than either French press or a pour-over brewing system, like a Chemex, but it's certainly going to be more convenient and faster for you. I personally use something that's a little bit more hands-on. So my mornings typically start with one of two coffee brewing techniques. I either use a French press or I make a pour-over coffee, most commonly a Chemex. So both a French press and a Chemex will run you somewhere $25 to $50. So they're cheaper than the electric coffee makers, but you do not get the same fast convenience. I personally prefer these because it gives me more control over the brewing process. I can figure out what I like and hopefully, ideally, reproduce that coffee every morning. So with either a French press or a Chemex or a ton of other pour-over devices similar to Chemex, the first thing that you're going to need is a way to heat your water, right? So that's something that's built into an electric coffee machine but if you're going to do something more manually, you need a way to heat your water. And you can do this with any old pot or tea kettle on the stove. And that's how I started. But I found that there were two main issues with this technique. I started with a, a cooking pot. <laughs> so first, pouring really hot water from a pot or a tea kettle that, does, that has a wide mouth can be messy. You don't really have great control over the speed that the water is poured, and it can be painful because you're going to spill scalding hot water sometimes over yourself. Um, second, the, the, the second problem is you don't really know what the temperature of the water is. So I eventually switched to a digital temperature gooseneck kettle uh, made by a company called uh, Bonavita. I will link to it in the show notes. It's, it's not all that expensive. You can also use it for tea or anything else. Um, and if you actually pay attention, the next time you're in a specialty coffee shop, you're, you're likely to see one of these. This, these are, tend to be used in specialty coffee shops quite a bit. Again, you don't absolutely have to start here. You can start with a pot or any tea kettle on the stove. Um, that's totally acceptable. Just try not to burn yourself like I did. So from there, you now have your water heated. You're going to want some sort of coffee brewing system. And the two, again, that I use are either French press or a Chemex device. I will link to both of these. Chemex requires specialized filters. So it's kind of like the batteries not included thing. Don't forget to buy the filters or you're going to be, you're going to have a tough time using your Chemex. Um, these two approaches are extremely different. Chemex filters are very fine. So the filters filter out a lot of the oils and sediment from the coffee. 
So Chemex coffee is going to be some of the finest, cleanest cup of coffee that you're going to drink. Very little sediment, not, not much in the way of oils in your coffee. Just a delicious, clean cup of coffee. French press is pretty much the opposite. You're going to get a much fuller body coffee. There's going to be sediment and those natural oils that occur in the coffee are in the coffee bean are going to be found in your coffee. So some people really prefer one over the other. I actually like both. It really just depends on my mood and the type of coffee I'm drinking. I find that some coffees are better tasting to me made with a Chemex or a pour over device while other coffees are better prepared as a French press. Experiment, find out what you like. Ideally, if there's a, if there's a good specialty coffee store uh, or shop in your area, go in and have them make you those different. Have them make you a pour over, have them make you a French press, figure out what you prefer and then buy them. So now that we've gone through that list, you have the essentials of what you need to make good coffee at home. Regardless of where you're starting from, hopefully this provides you some ideas, kind of a roadmap of of where to go. And again, I've created a pretty extensive list of all of this in the show notes for this episode on roastandreason.com. One more quick thing that I wanted to mention since we're talking about coffee at home. I've been asked a few times if I make espresso at home. So I figured I'd address that. And my answer is a resounding, absolutely hell no. So espresso machines are very finicky. They take a lot of work to keep clean, to calibrate, to get up to the right temperature, and to operate well. They are awesome for good coffee shops, and I there's nothing that I like more than a really, really nice, well-prepared espresso at a specialty coffee shop but they can be a freaking nightmare to work with at home unless you really know what you're doing and I don't. So I do not do espresso at home. Feel free to if you want to. I can't really help you out because I don't do it. Um, I, I really stick with making good specialty coffee at home. I hope all of this was helpful and practical, especially for those of you guys that are just getting your feet wet when it comes to making better coffee. Um, I'd be happy to answer any questions that you guys have. Feel free to email me at andrew at roastandreason.com. I'm honestly always happy to hear from any of you. Um, and take care, everybody. Happy home coffee brewing. And I'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Cheers, everybody.